Matthew chapter 8, and I want to talk to you tonight about the importance of asking, okay? And this is where we were a week before last, amen, and I appreciate Brother Donald uh, preaching, bringing the word last Wednesday uh, in my absence, but we're going to jump back in on that, uh, the importance of asking, and this is part of a bigger series um, that is entitled, Faith Will Flourish in an Understanding Heart. Faith will flourish in an understanding heart. What we see in the scriptures is that God's given to every person the measure of faith, okay? Um, and so there's faith inside of you. Even people who don't believe in God have faith inside of them to believe in God should they choose to do that, should they hear the word of God that, that is necessary to awaken and arouse that faith, uh, and, and then they can act on that faith and even be born again. Um, so God's given to every person the measure of faith. But, but what happens with so many people is they, they either have no understanding when it comes to the things of God or they have a misunderstanding, a wrong understanding when it comes to the things of God. And, and that lack of understanding or that misunderstanding um, is like a wet blanket on the, on the flames of faith in their heart. But if we get the right understanding, the faith that we've been given will flourish. It will produce all kinds of success, all kinds of answers, all kinds of victory um, in our lives. So faith will flourish in an understanding heart. Now, in Matthew chapter 8, and, and we'll begin at verse number 5, it says, When Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him. Now, look at me for a moment. If you, if you don't know what a centurion is, a centurion is a ranking military officer um, in, the, in the Roman army. And he was a very important and a very powerful man. Um, I've, I've said this before, I'll just mention it again. Um, we see that he was very humble in his approach to Jesus, but this man actually had the authority to go apprehend Jesus and drag Jesus, you know, if necessary, to his house. But he, of course, did not, um, you know, exercise uh, that authority, but he had it. Um, th th this, again, is a very important, very powerful man. And so instead, this centurion comes to Jesus uh, in humility uh, and, he, and he pleads with Jesus and he says, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. So I want you to, again, just make sure you understand what's going on here. This man says, I also am a man under authority and have authority because I'm under authority. So when he says, I also, he's recognizing that Jesus is a man under authority. And because he's under uh, an authority greater than him, it gives him authority over things that are under him. And this man recognized that when he told a soldier to go, that soldier went. He recognized in Jesus that when Jesus told a fever to go, the fever went. When Jesus told a demon to go, the demon went. When Jesus told death itself to go, death left and life returned. Okay? So he's, he's recognizing that Jesus is also a man under authority and a man of authority, except for Jesus' authority extended beyond just telling other people what to do. Jesus could tell sickness and devils and demons and famine and lack and hunger, all of these things, right? Um, Jesus had authority over that. So, um, uh, so Jesus, verse 10, when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Surely I say to you, I've not found such great faith, not even in Israel. 
And then if we go on down to verse 13, then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And the servant was healed that same hour. Now, again, I know for some of you this is review, but I want to just draw to your attention that this man didn't say anything about believing. He didn't say anything about faith, right? But it was what he understood. He didn't necessarily use the word. He didn't say, I'm exercising my faith in you, Jesus, for healing, right? He didn't use that kind of words, those kinds of uh, terms. I don't even know if he understood the importance of using those kinds of terms and words. But yet, the faith that he displayed caused Jesus to marvel. Um, and, and so we have to then look closer at what it is that he understood that allowed the faith that he had as a Roman centurion um, to flourish in, in such uh, an, an, an amazing way. All right? And so this brings us then to this point. Among all the things the centurion understood, the centurion understood the importance of asking. The centurion understood the importance of asking. Now, please listen to me. If, if you're like me, and I have a feeling that, that we have a lot in common, okay, um, it's often the simple or the easy things that we overlook or, or miss. It, it, you know, we, we sometimes look for some really hard, challenging, difficult thing to do when it's really not hard, challenging, and difficult, it's, it's, it's really pretty simple. It's really pretty easy. And I think this is a, an area where a lot of people in the body of Christ are missing it. They're missing it in this, in this whole area, in this whole subject of simply asking. And, of course, I think we'll maybe get there tonight. If not, let me just jump ahead. In, in, in the book of James, um, we see it this straightforward. You have not because you ask not. So it doesn't get any clearer than that, right? That, that, that we're missing out on things that we could have otherwise enjoyed and experienced in our lives from God simply because we're not asking. Simply because we're not asking. So the centurion, I want you to think about all that he was responsible for. He would have had budgets. He would have had, you know, requisitions. He would have had to, um, you know, have, if, if not daily, at, at least on a weekly basis, he would have had to have supplies brought in for his troops, um, things that they needed, provisions. And, and those things didn't just fall out of the sky. These were things that he had to formally ask for. He, he had to, I'm sure, fill out some kind of forms keep records. And so when we talk about what he understood, asking for things fell right into his wheelhouse. Asking was something that he did, if not daily, at least multiple times a week. Um, he made requests for the things that his people needed from the authorities that were over him. And so when he makes this request from, from Jesus, his understanding of the importance of asking uh, again, allowed the faith. It was one of the key things that, that, that enabled, allowed the faith that was in his heart to flourish. I'm going to put the brakes on real hard stop right now. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is this making sense to you? Okay, I'm, I'm trying to read your faces tonight, and I'm not, amen, your faces aren't telling much to me, but that's okay. I, amen, We're, we go beyond how things look. But I, I don't want to be just like Charlie Brown's teacher up here. You understanding this? Okay, all right. So the centurion understood the importance of asking. Here's a question that I asked you last time I was with you. What would have happened to his servant if the centurion had not asked Jesus to heal him? What would have happened to this man's servant if he had not asked Jesus to heal him? And, and obviously we don't know, uh, you know 100% because for me it's got to say it in the Word for me to say 100%. But I think we can make a case based on a whole lot of other scriptures 
that this manservant would have died. I mean, like, very quickly. Um, he, he would not have been healed. He would have not come off of his deathbed, all right? So let's dig into the, into the scriptures. Um, first of all, Jesus taught us that Father knows what we need before we ask. Is that fair enough? I mean, he taught us that, and, and, and we need to know that. And we find that in Matthew, the sixth chapter. But then when we go to the next chapter, Matthew, the seventh chapter, we see that Jesus also taught us the need to ask, okay? So, yes, Father knows what you need before you ask, but you still need to ask. Now, that ought to tell us something right there, very important, that you receiving is not simply based upon you needing something. Just because you need something doesn't mean God's going to, you know, fly to, to you and, and give you what you need, manifest what you need in your life. He knows what you need before you ask. Jesus made that very clear in Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus made it very clear that the importance, the necessity um, for us to ask. So asking is necessary, and there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. We learned this as children asking uh, our mamas and daddies uh, or, or, or our grandmother or whatever uh, for some more mashed potatoes, right? You could say, um, man, Grandma, those are the best mashed potatoes I think you've ever made. Could I have some more, please? Okay? Or you could say, hey, woman, can't you see I'm out of mashed potatoes over here? Right? So there's, <laughs> there's a right way to ask and there's a wrong way to ask. But if you're going to get some more taters, you got to ask. Okay? Now, let's look at this in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 7. This is Jesus speaking. It's written in red. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Okay? Let's keep going. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now, I think it was uh, Charles Caps who said this. And if I'm wrong, then the Lord knows who it was and he knows that my heart is pure in, in, in me accrediting this to Charles Caps. But this was a man who obviously did so many amazing things uh, for God in, in, in this world. He's with Jesus now. But the Lord spoke to him one day and he said to him, he said, I want you to read my Bible, um, and Charles Capps at this point had already read the Bible through many times. He said, I want you to read it again, but this time I want you to read it like you've never heard anything about it. Okay? And you say, why in the, why in the world would the Lord ask him to do that? And, it, and it, it, he didn't understand it at first, but what he realized is that, is that when he read the scriptures, he read them with a lot of preconceived ideas Right? And that became, uh, here comes this word again, we used it on Sunday morning, but it became the lens through which he looked at the scriptures. And, and he realized that because his understanding had been skewed by religion and by tradition and by things that people say God said that God never said and, and, and by things that people said about the way God operates that God's never operated that way, that when he read the scriptures, he was reading them with those preconceived ideas. And so he would look for scriptures that would seemingly reinforce what he already thought while skimming over ones that, um, you know, that contradicted what he already thought. 
And so he decided to read it like it was the first time, read it like he had never read it before, and just simply take God at his word. Now, I want to, just this verse right here, okay, just this verse right here, think of how many religiously preconceived notions violate the simplicity of what Jesus is telling us. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Religion says, no, it's not that easy. Religion says, no, that's not how this works, okay? He, Jesus said, seek and you will find, knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who asks receives. See, religion tells you not everybody receives who asks. Are you following me? See, so it, these preconceived ideas. Can I, I'm, can I tell you what preconceived ideas equal in our heart? They equal misunderstanding. They equal understanding the way God works and who God is and, and how God operates. It, it's, it's a wrong understanding. It's an incorrect understanding. And what does an incorrect understanding do to our faith? It hinders it. It, 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 um, it, it, it prevents it. it. It keeps it from, from operating in our lives the, the way uh, God intended for it to operate. Faith will do what in an understanding heart? It'll flourish in an understanding heart. But if your understanding is sometimes God answers, sometimes he doesn't, sometimes people receive, sometimes they don't, not everyone who asks uh, receives, okay? Well, that's your understanding, and that's going to inhibit, at best inhibit, uh, and prevent your faith from producing what it could otherwise produce in your life. Now, when I'm... So here's the thing that we've been on for several weeks now, but let's go back to it. See... The, the centurion didn't have any of that junk. He didn't have any of that uh, in his heart. N- nobody had ever told him um, that, that, that sometimes God does and sometimes God doesn't. Nobody had ever told him that lie. And, 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 and so when he comes to Jesus, whether he knew Jesus said this or not, right? When he comes to Jesus, he comes to Jesus asking, fully expecting to receive. In the same way that every time he sent a requisition um, for more flour to make for the cooks to make bread for his troops, that that flour was going to be on the next supply train coming into town. That was all he knew. That was all he understood about it. See, religion tells you, oh, that's dangerous. People are going to be disappointed. You're setting people up to fail, Pastor Mark. Well, folks are going to become disillusioned. They're going to think there is no God. See, again, all these crazy uh, ideas and excuses and, and things that we put out there Jesus said, everyone who asks receives. I guarantee you, based on this, I guarantee you that is exactly the understanding that the centurion had. Or else, listen to me, if he didn't think that 100%, when Jesus volunteered to come to his house, he would have like, well, you know, <laughs> better be safe here. Better be safe than sorry. You know, my, my idea of him just saying it, that, that might be shaky, that may not work. You know? No, see... He, he understood. He was about to ask, and in the same way that he sent troops to go do things for him that he never followed up on, that he, he, he didn't travel 200 miles to see if they got it done, right? He, he sent his word and commanded it to be done, and it was done. He knew Jesus could do the same thing with whatever sickness or demonic spirit that was afflicting his servant, that Jesus could do the same thing. Everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Okay, let's keep going here. So Jesus, to, to just show us the, the sincerity of this, in case you think he's got some deeper hidden meaning here and this doesn't mean what you think it means, it absolutely means exactly what he said. Verse 9, what man is there among you? 
if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone. Now, we see another version of this. We see another version of this where Jesus took it one step further. He said, what father among you would not give any child? He's not just talking here now about your own offspring. He's saying, what, what man among you would not help anybody's son who was starving to death? Right? In other words, it's, 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 <laughs> what is he saying there? Because Jesus wasn't just the bread of life for the Jewish nation. Jesus came to be the bread of life for whosoever calls upon him, whether they're the offspring of Abraham or not is the point that Jesus was reinforcing there. So he says, What man is there among you if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now, again, last time I was with you, I pointed this out. I want to point it out again. We have, I read five verses to you, straight from the lips of Jesus himself. And there's one word that we find in every one of these verses, and that's the word ask. In every verse, verse 7, ask, verse 8, ask, verse 9, ask, verse 10, ask, verse 11. Again, we find this word asks. Do you see that Jesus is not just suggesting that we ask? He's not just encouraging us to ask. He's all but begging us to ask. Now, let me, let me just stop right here for just a moment, okay? I, I don't believe we have to settle for these kinds of answers, okay? Um, but the best answer that we could ever understand and accept when it comes to biblical principles is simply this answer, because God said so, Right? So, you know, why is it this way? Again, we don't have to settle for it. It's this way because God said it this way. Now, just do it. Now, again, that's, that should be enough for us. But we see all kinds of reasons, parables that Jesus taught us, explaining to us the importance of asking, why it is necessary for us to ask, okay? But if, if that bothers you, if, if that confuses you, if... If, if you're sitting there, you know, debating within yourself, I don't understand. Again, <laughs> Jesus is trying to help you here. So whether you completely understand why it's important for you to ask, even though God knows what you need or not, Jesus is trying to say to you and me, this is how it works. This is how, it, this is, this is how God set it up. I'm not trying to make this out to be a game, Okay. But, you know, football season is coming. I don't know if you're excited about that, but I, I enjoy some college football, right? Okay. If, if the Bible makes it very clear. Any athlete who's going to compete to win the prize, they're going to have to play according to the rules. They're going to have to compete according to the rules which make up the parameters and the boundaries of the game. Okay. And so when we talk about receiving from God and living by faith and, and how uh, it is that, that, that we, we experience healing and deliverance and forgiveness and prosperity and all these things that God clearly desires for each of us to have, we've we got to understand that, 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 that he set it up where it begins with asking. It begins with asking. Okay? Now, let me... Praise God. Um... Thank you, Jesus. Let, let me 
I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a little side journey here. I don't I don't want to um, I don't want to irritate you. I don't want to confuse you tonight. But I really felt like the Holy Spirit impressed this upon my heart, not just for this part of our sermon teaching and, and, and learning together, but for tonight. In other words, that it it's, it needs to go ahead and be dealt with tonight. So I want to go ahead and deal with it tonight. Okay? Can we deal with it? Can we deal with it together? Can, will you just keep an open heart and mind and let the Holy Spirit just reveal some things to you and teach you and help you with some stuff? Okay. Now, this, this um, last uh, verse, verse 11, I'll leave it up on the screen. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things? Come on now. Good things coming. Will he give good things to those who ask him? Okay. It's very, very important that we understand what Jesus is saying here. And I would dare say many, if not most people in the body of Christ, I'm not talking about people in the world, I'm talking about God's people. Their understanding is something other than this. Okay, Let me, let me try to give you an example. All right? This verse does not say, now stay with me, don't get offended at me, just stay with me to the end, okay? This verse does not say God gives good things to those who need them. Okay? See, religion, listen to me now, religion, because religion is, um, it's, it's, it's trying to have, you know, the life God created us to live without God. Religion is man-made. Religion is all about man's effort and man's understanding and man's ability and so forth and so on, okay? Um, and so, because again, I, I'm, I'm trying to clarify some terms quickly tonight. Um, when I say religion, I mean this. Religious people strip Jesus naked, beat him almost to death, and nailed him to a cross. Okay? A religious man named Saul, we now know him as the Apostle Paul, before he was born again. Okay? He, he would go into people's homes and force them to deny Jesus. And if they did not deny Jesus, he would drag them out, have them beaten, have them imprisoned, and even in some cases have them executed. Okay? That's a, that is a very, very religious man. All right? So when I say religion, all right, I, I'm not talking about Jesus. I'm not talking about... Jesus didn't come to start a new religion. Jesus came to, to make it possible for us to have a relationship with him and his Father. Okay? So Jesus is the enemy of religion. Just remember that. The devil, Jesus said, the devil doesn't wear, this is my part, he doesn't wear a a red suit with a pitchfork, okay? Jesus said the devil masquerades. You understand, like you go to a masquerade party, you're wearing a costume. He, He masquerades and presents himself to us as an angel of light quoting scripture, Okay? Um, but obviously he's misquoting it. He's, you, you've heard of that uh, uh, band called Twisted Sister, okay? Well, it's Twisted Scripture. Satan wants to... Tw- I'm not trying to be funny. You, you'll remember that, see, by, by making that reference, Twisted Scripture. He twists the Scripture, and he comes to you as an angel of light quoting Scripture. That's what he did with Jesus, right? He's quoting Scripture to us. But again, he's trying to build within us a, a mindset based upon religion and religious principles and 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 you know all that you know stuff. Amen. 
that the centurion, quite frankly, didn't have contaminating his faith. Okay, you still with me? So, religion tries to tell you that God gives good things to those who need them most. Or God gives good things to those who want them most. Or how about this one? God gives good things to those who deserve them most. You see? See, religion tries to make it about need. Religion tries to make it about desire, right? See, and and notice now, where does religion, you don't have to look very far to find the roots of religion are in this world system. They're in this world system. See, the religious people were so threatened by Jesus because they were afraid that he was going to upset their little fiefdom. He, he, he was, they were afraid that he was going to take away their power, their control, their position. And if you read the Gospels, you'll see they actually, they weren't trying to hide that. They said as much, okay? So that's how the world operates, right? Remember what Jesus said? He says the kingdom isn't looking for somebody to rule over. The kingdom is looking for somebody to serve, if you're a citizen of God's kingdom, you're not looking for somebody to, to rule over and to dominate and to, and, to, and to put yourself above and put them beneath you. You're looking for somebody to humble yourself in front of and serve them, okay? But he said that's not how religion works and that's not how the world works. Religion in the world is looking for somebody to rule over. They're looking for somebody that will be subservient to them, somebody that will be their benefactor. What does that mean? Somebody that they can benefit from being under them. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Listen, I don't come into this pulpit every Wednesday, every Sunday, and other times throughout the year seeing how how I can benefit from you. I'm here so that you can hopefully benefit from me. I'm not here to make you my benefactor. I'm here to become your benefactor. And see, how it works in the kingdom is when everybody has that attitude, man, it, it is just on like, like Donkey Kong, right? Because now nobody's trying to lord over somebody else, but we're all trying to help and serve and be a blessing to and an encouragement to one another. But see, religion's not like that. Now listen, if your pastor does this, God, God knows his heart. But see, I, I, I've been on staff in churches where I call them throne chairs, you know, where you sit up here on, the, on, the, on this big chair that almost looks like a throne, right? And it's like you're sitting up there looking. I even known pastors that would sit on those chairs while everybody else worshipped, but they were too good to worship. See, something smells about that. I'm sorry, something smells about that. That's not Jesus. Jesus warned us about looking for the, the highest and most prominent seat. Did he not? He told us to take the lower position, and then if we're promoted to the higher position, we'll be acknowledged. But if we, if we on our own selves take the higher position and then are asked to move down to a lower position, we'll be humiliated. It's getting quiet up in here. I'm trying to show you how the kingdom works, okay? And, 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 and the way you understand how the kingdom works is it basically works opposite to the way the world system works. Now, why am I talking about the world system when I'm supposed to be talking about asking? Because when we talk about the influence of religion on these things, it's basically the world just with a little church makeup smeared on it. 
That's all it is. It's just, it's just a, um, it's, it's kind of like, and, and uh, you know, this church has had a ministry, a recovery ministry uh, from addiction and, and those sorts of things uh, for, for many, many years. And, and it's, it's like so much of, of, of Christ-centered recovery is nothing more than secular answers with a few uh, Jesus and, and God and God as we know him uh, and, and a Bible verse or two kind of sprinkled in to the, to the same answers that you can get in any secular recovery program. We just take their answers and, and put God on top of them. Well, amen. That's, see, again, God's ways are higher than our ways. And we don't have to settle for that. I said we don't have to settle for that. Okay, thank you for that amen. I needed an amen on that before I could go any further. So how does this world figure out who gets the help? Well, there's different ways. There's different ways. And, 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 and this is how I think so many people, we, we try to bring this understanding into the kingdom. The same understanding we have out in the world. You ever heard this one? The squeaky wheel gets the grease. Right? So it's just the person who's absolutely like, would somebody please help them so they will shut up? Okay? But remember, Jesus already shot that down. He said, don't think you'll be heard and answered for your many words, for your much asking. But see, the world says, the world says the ones that get the help are the ones that make the most racket. Okay? See, that's the understanding a lot of people have. Notice, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, Father gives good things to those who ask him, not to those who make the most racket. How about this? We got there early this morning, UAB, right, for Dad's appointment. I don't think you mind me talking about it. We got there early, 5.30. They said be there at 6. We were there at 5.30, right? So what am I thinking? We're first, dude. Wrong. <laughs> they finally called him at 10.40, okay, for his, for his procedure, okay? But see, notice that thinking is God gives good things to those who get there first, First come, first serve. That's what the world says, right? Squeaky wheel gets the grease. First come, first serve. Yeah? Yeah? Am I right about it? Early bird gets the worm. You ever heard that one? Early bird gets the worm. I love this. I didn't come up with this. I wish I had it. I wish I, you know, had gotten this first, okay? The early bird gets the worm, but the second mouse gets the cheese. So if you're not an early riser, next time somebody tells you early bird gets the worm, you say second mouse gets the cheese, right? Man, y'all are a tough crowd. I'm trying this. I'm trying hard. I'm trying really hard, okay? All right, so, but notice now, th- this is how we understand things. We, we understand, we understand it's those who need it most, right? Have, have you ever uh, maybe known a situation or been personally affected by a situation where somebody else was given something that maybe you had coming, but the justification was they need it more than you. See, the world gives help based on who needs it the most. And so we bring that understanding with us into the kingdom, and we think because we we need it so bad, surely our Father who is in heaven gives good things to those who need them the most. That's not what it says. How about this one? If you want it bad enough. See? So the understanding, again, that we have from the world is if you just want it bad enough, it'll happen. Now, I'm not saying desire isn't important. I'm not saying that God isn't concerned about your needs. That's not what I'm saying. But listen to me. That is not 
that is not how things work in the kingdom. It's not who needs it most. It's not who makes the most racket. It's not who gets there first. It's not the early bird gets the worm. It's those who ask. It's those who ask. How about this? This one probably is, and we've already dealt with this, so I'll be brief here, okay? But this is the biggest one in the world, okay? They believe Father who is in heaven gives good things to those who deserve them. See, that, that one right there, man, that's, that's the leaven that contaminates the heart. That's the misunderstanding that prevents the faith. I believe it's the, one of the number one, if not the number one reason why Jesus marveled at the centurion's faith. It's because he knew he did not deserve a second look from Jesus and he knew that it didn't matter. He knew he wasn't worthy. He wasn't trying to hide it. He knew he had done wrong. He knew he was a sinful man. He knew there was no good thing that he had ever... We find in another gospel where this man had built a synagogue for the... I mean, it would be like somebody building us a church building, right? So if this man was ever going to like talk about what he had done to deserve something, no, 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 no. He said, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not even worthy that you should walk or step foot in my house. But he didn't let that keep him from asking, sincerely asking. So it's not who's the loudest, it's not who's first. It's not who needs it most, it's not who wants it the worst, it's it's not who deserves it the most. It's not how any of this works. How does it work in the kingdom? How does it work in the kingdom? Father in heaven gives good things to those who ask him. Sweet Jesus, thank you, Father. Religion tries to make it all about needing, all about wanting, all about deserving. Jesus said it's a matter of asking and believing. The centurion knew getting what his troops needed, what his troops wanted, and what his troops deserved would never come to them unless he asked. You see that? I mean, reckon all those men are going to need to eat next week? I mean, it, it could have been in, in the hundreds of troops that he was uh, responsible for. You know, reckon they got to eat next week just like they ate last week and just like they need to eat this week, okay? Surely Rome knows we got to have some food down here. Surely Rome knows that these men need food, they want food, that these men are going to get hungry. So can you imagine, he never asked for a supply of food but he's standing out, you know, at the depot, looking down the road, wondering why Rome ain't sent the food. See, this centurion understood that it wasn't, that that food didn't come because somebody needed it, wanted it, or desired it. The food would only come if he asked. Can I give you one more verse? Praise God. Y'all, are y'all good? Can you take a little bit more? Amen. Okay. Six of you can, so that's good. I'll, I'll just give you one verse, and I'll quickly tell you the story. Luke chapter 11, verse 8. <clears throat> this is the end of the story, so let me read the verse, and then I'll kind of give you a little background. 
I say to you, Jesus speaking here, written in red, I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Okay? So here is the sixth thing that we understand from the world system, right? Squeaky wheel gets the grease, early bird gets the worm, okay? How about this one, you ready? It's not what you know, it's who you know. Are you with me? Are you with me? It's not what you know, it's who you know. We have no record that the centurion had ever met Jesus before. It wasn't like he's a friend. You follow me? Okay. Notice now, what's the, what's the story here? The story here is... <clears throat> A man has a, a family of friends you know, of his that shows up at his door at midnight. They've been traveling. They don't have any money. They don't have anywhere to stay. This man gladly takes them into, well, let's just call him Harold, okay? Harold gladly takes his friend and his friend's family into his home to give them a place to sleep. But they're hungry, and this man does not have any food in his house. So what does Harold do? Harold knows that Frank, who lives four houses down, he saw him unloading the Walmart sacks out of the trunk of his chariot just this afternoon. He, Harold knows that Frank has the food that his friend and his friend's family needs to eat. So what does Harold do? Harold goes in the wee hours of the morning and he knocks on Frank's door because Frank's his buddy. And he says, Frank, I know you're in there, man. Come on, dude. A friend of mine has come to my house, and he's hungry, and I don't have any food, and I know you've got food. Silence. He's looking through the window. He's trying to see. You know? He knocks again. He's ringing, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, ding dong, right? Notice again, I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence. Now, it almost seems like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because persistence sounds like squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? That's not what this word means. In the King James Version of the Bible, this word is importunity. Because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. What does importunity mean? You ready? It means shameless asking. Stand with me tonight. Shameless asking. He asked without shame. Come on now. He asked without shame. James said you have not because you ask not. He went on to say you ask and do not receive because you ask incorrectly. You ask amiss. So much of the asking that comes from the body of Christ is shame-filled asking. We ask with a lot of shame attached to it. Shame in the heart. The Bible says all kinds of things about it, but one of the key things the Bible says about shame in a man's heart is it undermines his confidence in God. That's why the devil is more interested in the aftermath of shame in your life than the sin that you committed that caused it. This man came and he asked his friend. He wasn't asking food for himself. 
He was asking for somebody else. That's intercession. That's intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer is when you ask somebody who has it, right? You don't have what they need, but you know somebody who does. And so you're going to ask the one who does have it on behalf of someone who needs it. Amen? Are you seeing this? That's intercession. But before we get into all that, let's go back to it. Because of his importunity. Not because he was his friend, but because he asked without shame, unashamed. He asked. Come on now. Come on now. Have you asked? I don't know what you need. I do not know what you need from God, but let me tell you what I do know. He has it. He has what you need. Amen. Have you asked him? Have you, have, you, have you put some forethought into it? You know, not, well, he knows what I need. He'll get it to me. Yeah, he knows what you need, but he also says you need to ask him. Okay? And, and there's a right way to ask. There's a wrong way to ask. Asking with shame is a wrong way to ask. The Bible says come boldly. This, this centurion didn't try to make any kind of deals. Look, Jesus, if you just do this for me, I'll never ask you for another thing. If you'll just get me out of this jam, you go your way, I'll go my way. No, no, no. Uh, if Jesus, if you just heal my servant, I'll go to Africa and serve you as a missionary. No, no, no. See, none of that, right? None of that. That's shame. Shame. There, when this man asked for things from the Roman government for his troops, he wasn't embarrassed to ask. If he asked for more meat one time, he's like, hey, you know, the boy's been working hard. Send some more pork. None of these Jews want it anyway. Send me some more pork. Right? He wasn't, he wasn't ashamed to ask for that for his men. And he wasn't ashamed to ask Jesus to heal his servant. And Jesus said, Shazam, I ain't seen faith like this in all of Israel. I don't know what you need, but I'm going to ask you one more time. I'm going to pray. Have you asked? Have you asked? You say, I don't know how to ask, Pastor Mark. Sounds like it's, it, 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 it's kind of sincere heart, number one. But how about this? How about if your first request is ask the Holy Spirit to help you ask correctly? Show me how to ask, Holy Spirit. Father, you're good to us. We love you. Thank you for every person in this room, every person in the sound of my voice, every person joining us on the Internet, either live or by recording, Lord, perhaps 50 years from now. Let this word and this message speak deeply into our hearts, Lord. Thank you for challenging us. Thank you for stirring us tonight. Lord, thank you that you know what we need. Thank you that you know what we want. Thank you, Father, that you're not interested in only giving us what we deserve. You want to give us what you desire for us to have. Teach us, Holy Spirit, how to ask. Let everything we put our hands to, Father, prosper for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you're loved. If nobody's told you that, thank you so much for being here. I know some of you, like me, got up really, really early. It's been a long day for you. But good things coming for you and yours. I'll see some of you in the morning, some of you on Sunday. You be blessed.